Hello, everybody. This is Maria Pesson, founder of For Women Over 50, a podcast where we interview women, obviously over 50, and talk to them about what they're doing and how they're making their next act their best act. And today we are very lucky to have J.C. Cormack on our podcast. J.C., who has lived in several places around the country and now living in Texas through all of these crazy snowstorms, joins us to talk about how she is a serial entrepreneur her whole life and has started working with other entrepreneurs to help them launch and run their businesses and be successful. So, J.C., I'm happy to have you here. Why don't you um, say hello and Give us a little bit of your background. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And what's even more exciting is that I'm a newbie to the next act, because as we're recording this, I'm less than a week away from turning 50. So by the time it airs, I'll officially be 50. But <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I know. It's kind of exciting. It's not even scary at all. I'm just like, oh. It's kind of fun. You know, it is um, kind of exciting. And it's funny, yeah. because it reminds me of when... I was pregnant the first time. I, I joined the club of mothers and every, mm -hmm. it was like this club. It really was like a club, like everyone gave me advice and was excited mm -hmm. for me. And it was inspiring to be a part of it. And I think it's the same thing with over 50. You join like this great group of women in the world who are living differently than our grandparents at mm -hmm. the age of 50 and over. So, and even our mothers, I mean, our mothers lived a different way. And we are looking at this time in our life as something to look forward to, where we can mm -hmm. do really incredible things and even make a difference in the world. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that's what you're doing, making a difference yes. in the world. Yes, that's always been um, really the core of, ultimately what I've always been about was to have some sort of big impact. I didn't know it when I was 19 and launched my first company, but I did figure that out as time went on because I, my first company was a dance studio and I danced my entire life and I had no, uh, about four big dreams and big ideas that I wanted to achieve when I was just 17. And actually I've achieved all of those now. So I had to come up with new dreams. <laughs> oh, good for you. That's exciting yeah. to hear that you've accomplished all the goals you had as a young person. Well, it was a little scary just, a, I don't know, maybe a couple of years back when I had that moment where you hear that and you're like, well, what did you want to do when you, you know, what was your dream, your childhood dream? What did you want to be kind of when you grow up? And I'm like, oh, I've already done that. So now what? So, but now I'm excited and, and yeah, I really am hitting that new, that next act because it's also with bigger dreams and different dreams than I've had before. So having a global impact is huge and always empowering women and helping other women have the confidence to grow and expand and lead and get to work and live their lives on their terms has always ultimately been at the core, as I said, of what I've wanted to do and have done. That's exciting. It's exciting you now have 
made new goals. And I think that that's something that we all need to do is we need to keep coming up with new goals, either throw out ones that don't serve us any service anymore, or we actually accomplish the goals we had, but we should always be having new goals. That's what keeps mm -hmm. us young. Yes. And I just had someone say to me um, yesterday that he was like, well, I'm, he's a little bit older than me. And he's like, well, I'm almost dead. I, I got I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, what? I said, I don't think that way. I could have another 50 plus years. I don't know that I will, but I could have another 50 plus healthy years even. It's possible. I'm healthy and I'm active and technology continues to change and improve. Who knows? I'm certainly going to look for that and plan for those things and live that way with the glass half full. <laughs> so, absolutely. <but laughs> well, good for you. So, tell us about um, this new business that you've been um, starting to build and, and work on. Well, I've always been creative. And of course, like I said, the first company was a dance studio. So, obviously, that's in a creative space, a creative world. Another company that I had was an international book award contest, and I had the opportunity to not only run the competition and my staff, but also then to work and have authors as clients from pretty much every corner of the world. Obviously, writers, authors are very creative. So a couple of years back, I went through a, a situation and, and changed my life <clears throat> and ended up single again. And... I thought, well, what am I going to do? That was kind of that point too, where I realized I reached all my dreams and I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I let this idea marinate a little bit. And like I said, I knew I wanted to empower other women. And then I started to really fully realize that the way I am isn't just me. I'm not just weird. It happens to be that I'm just highly creative. And so we literally think differently. Our brains are actually wired differently. Neuroscience has shown that. When you're a very creative person, different networks in the brain actually work together in tandem. And that's different than someone that's not as creative. Mm -hmm. So having that and realizing that, that we also jump from idea to idea. We kind of have that shiny object syndrome. I know, <laughs> I, I work with a lot of creative um, fashion yes. designers and they all have that problem. Yes. I do call it the bright shiny penny syndrome. Yes, exactly. Um, or sometimes I'll just go squirrel, you know, cause you're so sidetracked. Mm -hmm. So knowing that and realizing that, then I said, oh, that is not only let me empower women and the fact that I've built and ran three other successful companies, but let's show other women how to do that. So like I said, they get to work on their terms and then they get to live life on their terms. But because I understand the creative mind, I want them to know, hey, there is a way to have all these exciting ideas. And even though our minds run a million miles a minute, we can figure out what we need to focus on and build this foundation. And then once you achieve that level of stability and success with it, you get to expand and grow from there and not just jump off onto some other idea and have to start all over. Right. You, once you have one business down and running and kind of 
um, runs itself, you can expand into other areas. As a business coach, which is what I am in my other business, yes, um, in the yes. fashion industry, I'm always teaching people to focus and build something first before you expand into all areas. So I'm totally with you. I agree with that concept. Right, because there's things that sometimes, whether we want to expand within our business and with its, whether it's another business or something else or within that one business and you want to bring in other aspects, or maybe it's just a project that you feel passionate about, which for me, my project that I'm passionate about, and I have a kind of a partner that we collaborate on this um, together, is how dance and music inspires change and creates change. And so she's a musician. Of course, I've been a dancer. So we have a project there and we get to do that. But yet it still is technically connected to what I do because of that creativity piece. So knowing how to wrap them together is, well, that's is gold. <laughs> you know, it, it offers you a much different opportunity uh, when you can blend your passions and be able to support yourself and, and grow and, and make the change in the world that you want to see. That's wonderful. What a great way to look at it. So what do you attribute your success to? Hmm. Um, you know, the first thing that popped into my head was my parents. Um, it's the first thing that popped into my head. If they hadn't believed in me when I was 18, 19 years old, and I mean, I, they, I was a 19 year old kid. I couldn't go build a studio. I didn't, we weren't wealthy and uh, they got a loan. I paid for it. They never paid a penny of it because I made it. Wow, that was it. really having faith in you to do that. Yes. It, crazy, crazy. I know. Um, but they did it. And if they hadn't have seen my capabilities early on and the faith in me to do that, then yeah, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have went a different path. I would have done one of my other dreams then instead of later, I suppose. But that's where it started. From there, it absolutely is what I teach people to do now. It's the ability to know what to focus on, when to focus on it, how to focus on it, why to focus on it to achieve the things that you need to achieve before and we just said that before you just jump off onto something else because it becomes scattered then and uh, what i always say is focused and consistent attention equals focused and consistent success if you're just chaotic in what you're doing your success will be chaotic and that's not what i want to see from you know for people i want people to have other ladies and, and men but i want them to have the success that they want because that's the only thing that is going to be able to offer the amazing changes and so forth that they want their clients or customers to have. That's a great attitude. I love that. You know, I was talking to someone who just bought a business um, who was looking to possibly consult with me and it was our first call. And he told me that when he bought the business from the other person, that he, it was such a mess that he actually wasn't fulfilling orders, that he actually had mm -hmm. orders in his hand and all he had to do was send an email out to place the order and get it shipped and paid for. And he didn't even do that. Mm. 
you so know, it reminds you, me. Yes. Oh, go yeah, ahead. So Sorry. it kind of speaks to the chaoticness of, mm -hmm. you know, when you don't have all your ducks in a row, what could happen? Right. It, it, when you said it, I hadn't thought about it in a few years, but many years ago now, it was the early 2000, mid, like 2004, maybe? I think, yeah, 2004, I believe. So early 2000s, my then husband and I, um, purchased what had been in his family. It was the bowling center in the bar and in our hometown. And we ended up purchasing it. It had been out of the family for a few years. And one of the first things that I realized that the other owners, they didn't have any books, none. Oh my goodness. The only reason that we were able to get in a million dollar loan for it was because we were really, really good at putting the business plan together <laughs> and and because probably helpful you know his family had owned it previously so he'd grown up in that industry and then I was well known because of my studio but um I they had no books so it was complete chaos and even to the point that the cash register in the bar did not have the sales tax correct on it sales tax had increased they weren't charging oh that anymore Right. So they were taking money out of their profit constantly to pay for sales tax. It made no sense to me. I'm like, what? It was one of the very first things I changed within the first couple of days when I realized it because I checked it and I'm like, what? So I instantly changed that. That's just a lack of details. So even when we have this amazing creative mind, and I know you're going to understand that, we have to also be practical. I don't, I'm not saying that a bowling center is super creative maybe, but, um, but I'm just, just in general, even when we're really creative, we have to know how to apply practicality to what we do as well. Absolutely. That's, you have to have, you have to be on your game. You have to have, you have to run your business pristinely mm -hmm. yes. in order for you not to like drop balls and to lose money in the details. You really have to be on your game. And I, tell that to you know first time i speak to um, potential clients is that i'm on my game and i need you to be on your game too in order for us to be successful because if you're not you know if you don't do the things you need to do then you won't have success so you know they worry about marketing they worry about you know having a pretty website and stuff but logistics are just as important and absolutely you know, that was a perfect example of it Yes, it's so absolutely true. And then when you're not good at something, and obviously this takes the money to invest in it, that's when you hire it out or you hire staff to take care of it or you find a way, find an intern to do something for social media if that's what you need or some, there are creative options to get things done that maybe you really stink at. You know, or you that just may hate to case. do or that you hate to do because if I hate it, yeah, I don't. You procrastinate of, and you don't get yes, it done. Yes, because I mean, I think for me, I think, I don't know, but I think it's because I am so creative that if I really hate it, it's not fun and that I don't have that dopamine flowing through my body, you know, and I don't have those, uh, the oxytocin from it. I don't have those feel good hormones and I'm like, Ugh. so then yeah, you, you don't or you procrastinate it until the last minute. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, find a way to quote unquote, hire it out if you can't financially invest in it. 
absolutely. I agree with you. In fact, that's one of my um, best skill set is I'm a great delegator. Oh, me too. The yeah. things I hate, I know I won't do. I know I don't do them, so I might as well, you know, hand it out to somebody who will do them and do a better job at it. Absolutely. Because, you know, not everybody wants to be the face of the company or leading. They don't want that. They would rather be, you know, back doing those other pieces back behind the scenes. And so we need those people. Or maybe that's who you are, you know whoever I'm speaking to right now. <laughs> sure. Is, well, I'm kind of like, those people. I like to be the front and I like to be yes. the one who like creates the vision, but then I like other people to execute it. Yes. I, I hear you. <laughs> <You're here. laughs> but every once in a while, I want some, I want to just do a small part and not be in charge. And I think, oh my God, I don't want to be in charge. How unusual. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a, you know, I have a good example for that because when, I had my dance studio. By that point, we had the bowling center. So we were running both. And I was working a good 50-some hours at each place. <laughs> oh, my God. Had, I so you, know. You didn't sleep, basically. No, we, I didn't. And we had um, my son and then his son at that time. And this was before my, young, my, my youngest was a teenager now. But um, so it was before he was born, though. But I was doing that. I became, I was on the state board, state association board, whatever it was called, for the, the bowling association. I was on the local one as the proprietor. I was on, I was a PTO president. And there was on two or three other committees. I was on our local youth bowling committee at our own center. You name it, I did all of it. It was ridiculous. And I was so tired. <laughs> and I finally, by the time the, the boys were the same age, and when they hit third grade, I said, oh, I'm done. I'm just now the cupcake donator. <laughs> there you and go. You just get to a point where when you do too much too, um, yeah, you can burn out. And there's just times where, yeah, you don't want to be the one in charge. You're just like, um, I'll just do a little bit over here, like you said. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, it's funny, but one of the things that I learned through my life was how to say no. And mm -hmm. boy, was that liberating. I thought if, any, if someone invited me to do something, I had to do it because they invited yeah. me. And it didn't occur to me that I could actually say no. And when I did it the first time, it was like, oh my God, I don't have to drive all the way to Long Island for two hours and two hours mm -hmm. back and do something that is not going to serve me. And it really is liberating once you learn to do that. Because we feel like as women in this generation, or at least our generation, we have to be super women. You know, we have to do yes. everything. Mm -hmm. We have to, you know, remember that commercial, uh, a lot of you probably do. Uh, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up yeah. in the pan, and never yes. let you forget you're a man. We, we bought into mm -hmm. that. Yeah, you know, we, we had did. to be great at everything. And yeah. once you give that up and decide, you know, you're not going to be great at everything, you're just going to do a few things really well. And it just, it changes your life. And, you know, one thing I did, um, and I, of course, with the pandemic, I'm not right now, but... Um, that after that divorce a few years ago, I said, hey, you know what? I, it's time for me to have a beginner mindset somewhere. And I'd had such a passion, curiosity, I should say, um, a, a nudging, a, I don't know, I was feeling compelled to push something to 
to train in martial arts. And of course, it's not that far off from dance because of movement with the body and so forth. But that's what I went and did. And I began to train in uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is exceptionally complicated. And I fell in love with it. But I had to go in starting from scratch. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. And I, so I had to allow myself to not be super great at something. I had to allow myself to totally suck at it and then get feedback and learn and grow. And it was amazing. And I, I did get, you know, decent at it. When I was training heavily all the time, but um, just the mindset shift that it gave me and the confidence in a whole different way was just an amazing experience to be able to set into that space and go, okay, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And, and with brand new people, because I was in a state where I knew no one, but my teenage, well, he wasn't a teenager then, but my son and my soon to be at the time ex-husband, um, I was starting over. And so I had to meet new people as well. And so I think that was such a great experience to, to do that and to be okay to say, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Somebody tell me what I'm supposed to do here. <laughs> Yeah, and give over, give it over to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to change gears here and talk about what it's like being a woman over 50. Now, since you're new to this, you have a week <laughs> away, so you're not quite 50, but you must have women in your life who are over 50 mm -hmm. who have inspired you. Mm -hmm. Can you think of someone you'd like to share with us? Um, well, I know that you were going to ask me this. I kind of had a heads up on that. And I thought about that. And there definitely are ladies that I know personally, but the first person that popped into my head and she's either, I think you either love her or you hate her, but Hillary Clinton. I like Hillary Clinton. I love her. I love her. I, I get really emotional do. when I watch her. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know that I get emotional, but I do. since I, I saw her speak, I've been so impressed with her. Yeah, and when I watched her, uh, you know, a few years ago, of course now, that's when I really, you know, started paying attention um, to her because I wasn't that into politics, which I suppose a lot of us uh, that weren't as paying attention as maybe we should have been or probably paying more attention now over the last few years. But, oh my God, um, yes. Yeah, definitely. But I did, that was, I mean, I've always kind of liked her and I watched her and I, I was overcome. And of course I'm an empath as well. So I was feeling some energy and emotions and, and then I, I did, I had tears and pretty much anytime I watch her, I get that way. I get very emotional about something is very, deep in me and it's the fact that she had to and actually when i thought of her today then of course i thought of our amazing vice president-elect kamala harris or vice president-elect listen to me vice president um kamala harris and because she's over 50 she's 56 i believe so they've had to overcome things a lot differently than perhaps what some of our younger ladies coming up in big leadership roles, hopefully they won't have as many problems. Hopefully that glass ceiling really has been broken some. Um, because that, especially a government position, uh, politics has been such a male environment and we still live in such a man's world that 
as women, we have to have these really strong leaders. Those two ladies, Hillary in particular, in my opinion, lives very much in her masculine energy where she's very, uh, she had to be uh, maybe not as soft as what we can be as women because you can't, we're not, um, they don't like for us to show our emotions as much, which I'm like, that's ridiculous. It's like, give me all the facts and let's look at all these hard facts and then how do I feel about those? And then we're gonna make a decision. <laughs> so, but you know what, as, as a 64 year old woman, I know exactly what you're talking about because we had to, you know, be like men. Um, mm -hmm. We had to wear suits that men wore, you know, very, look at Hillary Clinton. She always wore the pantsuit. I mean, we just yep. had to be kind of like the masculine version of women. Whereas now, and I was talking about this in a marketing meeting recently, young women want to, you know, be strong, but they want to be strong like women not strong yes. like men. They don't right. want to be masculine. They feel okay about being feminine and, and showing that. So I, I think that's a really good point you make that we're discovering how to bring all the best qualities of a woman into the world and make the world more like us rather than us more like the world. Absolutely. And I think that Vice President Harris is uh, a little bit of a bridge there because I can see in her where she's definitely showing some more femininity and, uh, you know, and kind of sillier and, and loosened up more. And of course, I saw that in President Obama, but um, just I just see that. So I'm hoping that that'll be inspirational for, you know, our other ladies and seeing like it's okay. It's okay to be that because we should be in that space and we can balance those two we can have a beautiful balance of our masculine and feminine aspects of ourselves you know i'll tell you a funny story i had a business a store in a town called nyack new york very touristy town and um, um hillary clinton came to speak at one of the town halls very small, maybe a hundred women, you know, none of those big auditoriums, maybe a hundred mm -hmm. women, but it was in a place that had no air conditioning. And it was like 95 degrees and humid as it can get in Manhattan, in New York, and we're outside of Manhattan. And I was dying, I was so hot. I, I mean, I was perspiring, I was hot. And she was up there sitting in a suit, mind you, with a jacket, and she was not sweating. She did not look uncomfortable at all. We're all dying. And she looks as fresh as a cucumber. And I'm thinking <laughs> how this person is introducing her and thanking all these people who helped and this person, that person. I'm thinking, my God, she must have heard this stuff a million times in the beginning of every single meeting. How does she look like she's really paying attention and she's really mm -hmm. acknowledging all this? I mean, she was incredible. And it, I know it sounds like a minor story, but for me, it was profound. She, mm -hmm. it was like nothing was touching her. She was totally engaged. She was smiling. She was powerful and she wasn't sweating. That really blew my mind. I think that's huge. It's, because what comes to mind for me is that 
that feminine energy, the compassion, the ability to pay attention and look somebody in the eye because we really do care. And no, we're not all, not all women are like that. I mean, we know that, but when we are in that space, and of course there's men that do it too, that are capable of that. But when we're in that space, people do feel heard and they feel like we're actually there trying to do what's best for them. And that is huge to me. And we need to be in that and be so confident in who we are within ourselves that we can sit there without sweating <laughs> and, <laughs> and paying attention and be engaged and exude this aura of beautiful power and strength. Oh, yes. And she had it. She definitely had it. Awesome. So, you know, now that you're not in your 20s and you're <laughs> approaching 50 um, next week, what would you say that you've gained in your life in terms of superpowers? Like what three superpowers have you developed over this time that you didn't have in your 20s? The first thing that comes to mind is courage. Part of that is because when I did launch my first company, I could look back and I could say it was really bold. It was really crazy and brave. It really was. was. It was. But there's this part of me that says, you know what, that was the easy way out for me, which may sound, I don't know, bad or, or crazy or whatever. But dance was what I knew. That was my world for so long, from the time I was three or four or five years old, whatever. And so to, and I began assistant teaching at the age of 13. So to step into that world and do that, I, of course, running a company was new to me, naturally, but I, I just knew the studio. So that was kind of my own world. I just extended it. Had I gone on and tried to, to do one of those other dreams, then it would have taken more courage. Now, I'm excited because in the next, sometime this summer, probably, my son and I will be stepping into a different journey and, and moving away from Texas and just different things are gonna happen in my life. And so I have that courage to go do that. I have the courage to start over or have started over with yet a, you know another new company, a fourth company in my life, those types of things. And I, I don't, yeah, I didn't have that same level of courage. Um, another one is that what I kind of would say, I always say I'm a phoenix. So, you know, phoenix, they rise from the ashes. And that I, to me is a bit of a superpower to kind of have the rug yanked out from underneath of you, even if it was by choice and the ability to still say, hey, you know, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to be bigger and more beautiful than I was before and be more successful than I ever was in the past in personally and professionally. That's so a big that deal, actually. I always think of myself, I never considered the word Phoenix, but I always think of myself in that way also. Like I may get you know, I may have to go get a bottle or two of wine and, you know, down it after the bad stuff. <laughs> but right. after I'm, you know, after I'm sober the next day, I'm usually ready to pick up myself by my bootstraps and, you know, mm -hmm. conquer and do whatever is necessary. So I can definitely relate to that. That's I actually, uh, it's been two years ago now, I actually went and got um, 
a new, I don't have a lot of tattoos, but I went and got a Phoenix put on inside of my right forearm. And it was oh. because of that. I'm like, it's, it's that time, you know, it was just, and it's not, you know, it's just an outline. It's very basic, you know, it's not all colorful and all that, but um, it's just what I wanted. And it's just like, it's, this is it. It's clear. It's just the, to the point. And it's the ability to rise from the ashes uh, of whatever, whether, uh, you know, you lose a company because, hey, back in the recession, uh, so ended up in 2010, that bowling center I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. we, uh, we lost that. We lost everything in the recession. So I've had amazing, amazing, we've grossed, I've grossed millions of dollars over the years, but I've also had financial catastrophe. So I, I know both ends of that. And to be able to overcome that and to be able to overcome anytime you have a divorce or a relationship ends or some other kind of personal thing that you overcome. Um, yeah, to be able to rise up from that and be confident and strong enough to, yeah, that's another superpower that I wouldn't say I had in my 20s. Um, then the other one, I guess, really that I consider a superpower at this point is the wisdom because we have experience now. We're not mm -hmm. a 20 year old kid, mm -hmm. no matter how smart or intelligent you are <laughs> um, academically or otherwise, when you're in your 20s, by the time you're 50, you've experienced a lot. <laughs> sure. And so that I have that wisdom on a tangible, on the practical, and then the, the spiritual component for me and um, that and being entrusting in my intuitive abilities and those types of things that a lot of people that are more practical go, oh, that's weird because you can't always explain it. And having those tangible and intangible uh, experiences and wisdom, that's definitely, I would say, a superpower <laughs> at this point in my life. Well, I am so glad that you are on our podcast. Um, I'd like to ask you, um, to tell the audience how they may reach you and learn about you and maybe work with you in the future. Well, you can go to jccormack.com. And can you spell that? Yes, I was gonna say, because JC's J-A-Y-C-I-E, Cormac, C-O-R-M-A-C.com. The other is I have my online community which, it, which it's a Facebook community, but if you, so it's a Facebook group, it's rapidly growing, it's lots of fun. Uh, I do trainings in there and I'm live in there a lot. Um, but if you just go to creativewomenentrepreneurs.com, it'll take you right there. So that's great. Well, you thank you so much. I really enjoyed having you. I love your energy and it's just been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. All right. Well, have a good day. You too.